Hello and welcome to a special series from the Guernsey Press, looking at Guernsey and the climate crisis, supported by the International Sustainability Institute Channel Islands. I'm Will Green and over the last couple of weeks we've been looking at how the issues on the agenda at the UN Climate Conference in Glasgow affect us here in the Bailiwick and what role we have to play in making a positive impact as part of a global effort to combat climate change. Today our focus is on transport, which for an island community which relies on getting people and goods on and off is a big part of our climate footprint. But what does the future look like when it comes to clean transport and how fast can we get there? I spoke to Mark Harrison of Green Air who's developing a revolutionary way for us to travel into Ireland. Mark, tell us a bit about your background, about your history. I think if I go into my background, what makes me um, qualified to have any say in this at all? Well, I've been 50 years in aviation. I started out with a Rolls-Royce training at Bristol, Filton, on the Concorde engines. And if you look at world aviation, Concorde has never been replicated. It's an incredibly complex and wonderful technology, but it is nowhere near green. When I was doing that 50 years ago, I was well. Un- I understood very clearly the sort of impact that aircraft was having. And then I've worked since to see what mitigations can be put in place there. So that for this work here, I've been looking at electric aircraft for about 35 years uh, and knowing that this was going to happen, but not quite when. As far as the Channel Islands are concerned, I've been in the Channel Islands for 35 years or so, and I've been looking at the Islander operation and Trilander operation in relation to this for that over that time and trying to work out how best it might be uh, set up. So that all of this is the, the end result of all of that effort over that time. One could never have funded that type of research. It, it is, has to be done because of a passion. Uh, and I think that my passion has been both in the technology, but also in the environmental aspects of it, having seen that Concorde you know, I help Concorde. I just have the absolute love of it. I think it's the most beautiful aircraft going, but it isn't green. <laughs> and so we've got to do something better than that, and we've got to do it now. Tell us uh, what your business is about and how it's going to help climate change. Uh, so now, like the sort of 50 years of experience being focused in on what's going on in the Channel Islands uh, and what's going on with the Project Fresson at uh, Cranfield Aerospace Solutions, that's part of Cranfield University. Cranfield University are a major um, designer and modifier of aircraft worldwide. They do programs for NASA, for Airbus, BAE, all the major players, Rolls-Royce, and this is another programme that they're doing. But it's very, very important to get the architecture of all future electric aircraft squared away in the right way, and that's no mean feat. It's a very, very complex matter. And so that the programme that I've been involved with with them, uh, Fresson, has been over the last two years. And I now go to Cranfield about once every five weeks 
um, to update them and us on exactly what the, the, um, the state of play is on the programme. Um, we expect to have the first um, prototype aircraft, electric aircraft, flying next year. And then it'll be under a very severe test regime for about two years before certification in the late 2024 and into service 2025. And that is believed to be the first aircraft in the world that will be um, conducting public transport, uh, air ops, commercial air transport. Um, and I hope that um, it, that will be, um, the, the channel owners will be the leader player on that. And, and tell us about the technology. How do you power an electric plane and is it safe? Uh, it'll be perfectly safe. It'll be, and you'll, what you'll see as a passenger is that it will just be quieter. And you perhaps remember the, with fond memories of the Islander days, um, uh, but they were noisy little uh, aircraft. And uh, but these ones will be very, very quiet. As far as the um, how do you do it, this is where Cranfield and the real heavy muscle that we've been um, putting into this come in. The there are three ways of doing electric aircraft: uh, pure batteries but they are proved to be too heavy and their power density is awful for batteries, so that won't work for, for aircraft. Um, hybrid, um, so that's where you have your hybrid cars, which have a, 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 um, a hydrocarbon piston engine running a generator, powering batteries to power the car electrically. That doesn't work either. It's far, far too complex, too heavy, and in actual fact, the carbon footprint from those is worse than um, um, the standard piston-engined aircraft. Hydrogen fuel cells work, and they've got a long history. They're well-established technology. It's been to the moon on the Apollo program, uh, throughout that program. And um, so hydrogen fuel cells turn hydrogen back into water, which is what comes out the back of the aircraft, by combining it with oxygen from the air. And in that process, there is a lot of energy released and that we make, in this case, we make into electricity, uh, which we power the aircraft uh, propellers with. Um, and so that's the program that will be uh, in the Islander program. But that architecture, that the whole of the outer design uh, criteria is the one that will be developed for the whole of this type of technology throughout the world and Cranfield are right at the very very forefront of that and so our association with Cranfield which started two years ago um, uh, is absolutely at the forefront of that and, and so um, the Channel Islands can lead the way in this. Is the future when it comes to transport electric, whether that's hydrogen or other means? Cars are, are very likely to be battery powered. Um, they can take the weight, that's not such an issue. Aircraft can't take the weight. Um, but the uh, larger road transport, such as buses, would be uh, gaseous hydrogen, as, as would trucks, although we probably wouldn't have that so much in Guernsey with the, the short ranges that we have here. But the buses, definitely. Um, as far as uh, uh, marine craft are concerned, um, hydrogen, the same arguments uh, apply. They can afford the weight nicely. They, they don't have that as an issue. But uh, you then have to look at the overall carbon footprint and also the overall environmental impact. Do you actually wish to be putting uh, heavy metal batteries 
with all the issues of extraction and all the carbon that's being exposed uh, um, uh, during that process, do you actually wish to do that or would you prefer to run the uh, engines, existing engines and modified engines on hydrogen? The interesting part about the hydrogen is that the electrical producers worldwide are likely to be the people who manufacture hydrogen because they can buy electricity at the cheapest price. And in the case of the Channel Islands, we've got green electricity, certified green electricity here. So we know that the hydrogen we're producing will be certified green hydrogen, which is absolutely what we need. It has no carbon footprint. There's a lot of work going on uh, as far as the ports are concerned, that's both airports and, and harbours in both Guernsey and Jersey, um, and reconfiguring those. And part of that is to reconfigure them for hydrogen. And that work is also going on at Heathrow, at Southend, at Cranfield, all over the, um, the UK, Gatwick, um, to say how you're going to handle this stuff in, in the airports. And in the case of here, because we absolutely wish to produce hydrogen by completely certified green electricity, but that means you can produce it anywhere. So that instead of moving hydrogen around the roads, don't produce it where you want it. So if you want it down the harbour, have it down the harbour. The work that's currently going on down there, the, the um, um, planning work, is partly to do with uh, telecoms and electrical cables and all that sort of stuff. And what we're saying is, make sure that all of the digging up of the harbour when it happens put your extra conduits in there so as you can produce hydrogen right where you need it not half a mile away but absolutely where you need it and then you put it straight on the vessel from there so it's electrical cables going in uh, and the conduits to to provide that Green Air would be an airline operator or...? It would be. It'll be an airline operator. And we, what we would expect to do is to buy in standard Piston Engine Islanders. Um, it's a nine-seat uh, um, aircraft, which was well-established. Orini were operating the Islander here in uh, 1968. They had eight of them. And that's exactly what we will be aiming at. As soon as the electric aircraft become available, we will be modifying all of those eight aircraft, but in series, over a period of two years, we will modify them about one every quarter. Uh, and part of my work over the last two years, and it will be for the next two or three years, is just education, education, education. It's a big change, but we don't have any, any options whatsoever. We've got to get the carbon footprint of aviation down to zero. And if we don't do something rapidly, it will become about 23% of the world uh, pollution will be by aviation. So aviation has got a big, big task ahead of it, but we can do it. How important is it that everyone works together to get this common goal? I think um, behind all of the work that I'm doing, the environmental side of it is paramount. We know that global warming is uh, absolutely here. Uh, my my uh, work with the Falkland Island government and the uh, British Antarctic Survey, who I've, I've worked with in the past, they are establishing absolutely why uh, we now have to act. COP26 is at best, we're looking at 1.8 degrees uh, increase. That's 
near catastrophic. We've got to do better than that. We have to reset the whole of our thinking uh, as, a, as a, um, a species. We have to reset the whole of our thinking as to how we're operating. And we have to do it in collaboration together so that each person or each organisation, they have to take their best endeavours and their best capabilities and work with others hand in hand to produce the minimum impact on our lifestyles, but the maximum impact on reducing uh, uh, the global warming. And uh, otherwise, uh, the, uh, our children will be wiped out. It is having an immense effect worldwide, and the sort of damage it's doing in Central Africa and that band across the world, if you look at that, is, is vastly damaging and killing many, many people now. Um, that is only going to get worse as the uh, temperature increases. So we have to act now. We have to act very, very positively. They're big uh, decisions and they're painful decisions, but we have no choice. And so that my... Um, my um, if the one thing I can give back into aviation, having had a fantastic aviation career, is this 50 years engineering an understanding of why we have to go green now, why we have to go to electric, and, and how we can achieve that. Um, so that's, that's my lot before I pop my clogs. <laughs> that was Mark Harrison of Green Air. Next up, we'll be talking about construction and the built environment. A really interesting conversation coming up on that theme. So please do subscribe to make sure that it lands in your podcast feed. Thanks again to the International Sustainability Institute of Channel Islands for their support of the series and see you next time.